Small Biz Stories is brought to you by Constant Contact. Constant Contact is committed to helping small businesses and nonprofits connect with new and existing customers with email marketing. Find out more at constantcontact.com. The chasing of money, it actually bores me. It's, it's just not something that intrigues me. It's difficult for me to be around a lot of other business people. They're talking about their, their profits and their return on investments, and I'm like, it just doesn't inspire me. It's like, what have you done? You know, what have you created? What difference have you made in the communities that you're in? And by default, the businesses do make money, um, but that's never been my passion. It's been really about engaging with customers, engaging the neighborhood, making people or hoping to, to help make people feel a little more pride in their community. Chris Ayashua remembers the first time he drove through Fitchburg. The old Milltown architecture and Victorian homes awoke an excitement that hasn't left him since. Driving down Main Street, Chris saw an opportunity to revitalize a community and reclaim Fitchburg as the destination spot it once was during the peak of its industrial and commercial prosperity. Like many small business owners, Chris is passionate about his local community. He knows his customers' names and their favorite orders. He listens to his staff and gives them opportunities to directly contribute to the business. Above all, Chris holds a strong conviction that small businesses have the power to transform communities. Today, Chris shares how he overcame doubts and challenges to create profitable and influential businesses in his community. He'll share how his approach as a business owner has changed over time and his best piece of advice for those just starting out. More than 50% of small businesses fail within the first five years. These are the stories of those who beat the odds. My name is Dave Charest, and I'll be your host as we share the stories of some of the bravest people you'll ever meet, small business owners. You'll hear how they got started, their biggest challenges, and their dreams for the future. Chris's interest in community development stems from a background in real estate. For years, Chris has made lasting impact by renovating space and stimulating neighborhoods. My passion is uh, transforming space. I've, you know, my activities prior to this, I, you, you, prior to acquiring this building, most of my development activities were looking in the most desperate of residential neighborhoods. I'd find the worst house in the neighborhood, and I just went in and renovated it. We did a full development of the space of the of the building. And I watched on a small scale that our efforts on one building in a neighborhood would start getting, I'd send my crews down there, the landscapers would go out and do their thing. And then I'd watch the next weekend a property that had been completely uh, unmaintained for years and years and years. Now the other person was, the neighbor was out actually raking the leaves that had been accumulating for many, many years. And I looked at that and I said, this is really... Uh, you know, you can't really count on the neighborhood transforming, but you can make a difference. And I did that for a lot of years, and I took homes that had notorious reputation for gang activity or notorious reputation for drug activity and um, went in, and we just did our thing, turned it into a beautiful spot, beautiful landscaping, uh, and turned what was the eyesore of a neighborhood to really the jewel of the neighborhood and it transformed neighborhoods. So I figured with that experience, 
will take that experience and bring it down to Main Street because this really, once General Electric left Fitchburg, the Main Street area really had suffered dramatically. And for 10 years, I've been working in various capacities, both from a private business perspective and with nonprofit organizations, to try to find ways to just put us on the map as being uh, a destination spot. Chris will be the first to tell you he's not afraid to go out on a limb. When it came time to find the right building to renovate, he chose one of the most visible buildings in the city, the massive and historic Dickinson Building. Uh, this building had been vacant for uh, 40 years when I bought it, and I went out, did my typical real estate developer activities, and attempted to find uh, larger, more well-recognized, the Starbucks and the, uh, the 99 restaurants. I said, we've got a beautiful space. You know, it's j- just kind of the gateway building on, on Main Street, and it'd be a great spot for your, your establishment. And they looked at the demographics of Fitchburg and had no interest. So I kept hearing this time and time again. And um, I said, you know what, it's, it's, uh, I've heard it enough. I'm not going to continue to go down those roads. I'm going to just try to reestablish this city as a, as a destination spot. And we created, we started with the business center just to get some activity in the building and then moved over to Distari and um, really put the effort into designing a space that would be considered really uh, over the top for the area just to get the recognition factor, and we did. We got uh, Chronicle come out. We did a piece on Chronicle, and it was just a very interesting um, interview because from their perspective, the question was, why? Why would you ever, in this particular area, why would you ever consider and, you know, again, it was just from a, we owned the building, and the only way that this area was going to make a transformation is if we stepped up to plate mm-hmm. and made things happen that otherwise would not be happening. Okay. And um, I think they called it the most audacious display of confidence they had ever seen. Yeah. And, you know, from my perspective, it's, it's all been, it's all made sense. Despite the misgivings from other businesses and media outlets, Chris pushed forward with his mission. His first step was to open Fitchburg's Business Center, which serves as an incubator space for local small businesses. Then, on the street level, Chris focused his efforts on Distari, a martini bar named for its Italian translation, Awakening. But making his business a reality was not an easy process. Here's Chris describing some of the early challenges that occurred before opening Distari's doors to the public. The challenge, it took us two years to, to get a building permit to open our doors. And if it were just monetary gain that I was seeking, I never would have went through the two-year process. We started this process uh, of the building plans right after the uh, horrific experience in the Station Nightclub fire in Rhode Island. So the idea that we're now going to open a nightclub with a large capacity of people as, our, as a p- potential customers, the fire department was very alarmed, justifiably so. I mean, people lost their lives, and, and it was a tragic accident. But the pendulum swung so far to the other side that they came to us and said, in order to build your space, you need to take the five floors above you and heat it and make it 
uh, fire safety uh, ready. We need sprinklers up through there. And I said, it's just, we have a 40,000 square foot building, actually 48,000 square foot building. 40 of that, almost 40,000 of that are in the upper floors. The idea that we're going to heat that amount of space to maintain a sprinkler system is just it's just absurd. So it was a year after year of process of negotiating with the architects and the engineers to finally be able to create what we consider to be a very, very safe spot uh, from a fire safety perspective. And it worked with the fire department as well. But for, for two years, it was a long, drawn-out process. And, um, you know, there were times where I said this is just, uh, you know, it's testing patience. But the conviction was always there to make this happen, and we followed through, and here we are. With patience and persistence, Chris made it to Destari's opening day. While the wait was longer than he would have hoped, it did create anticipation and curiosity within the community. We just put our lights on, and the trickle of people and flow of people started coming through. And they said, we've been waiting for this moment because a lot of the time during construction, we took and put a great big question mark in our front window. And people were driving by, and a lot of people saying, what is going on in this building? It's been... Um, it's been vacant for so many years. What is happening? So I just kind of played into that a little bit, put the big question mark up, and a lot of people who were not really close to me, um, either personally or in a business perspective, that asked what was going on, and I'd say, it, we've got something unique and special going on. I, I can't fill you in on much more of the details. So there was a little bit of, of built-up, pent-up demand to, to know what was happening, and those customers come in, our friends and family, and business associates in there just started trickling in and it uh, it was it was just great to see the menu be well received and people going up and down the menu saying wow look at look at the selection look at the diversity of uh, of beverages and food and it was just a just a great experience for us the quality of food and drink is something chris approaches with a great deal of pride with Dostari, Chris made bold menu choices to offer Fitchburg residents something new and distinctive that they couldn't get anywhere else in the area. There really were no other martini bars. To get a martini in this area, you really had to travel outside the area. The martini was just a very, you know, they had heard of it. Everybody's familiar with James Bond, but <laughs> as a source of um, a beverage that could be a, you know, once or twice a week activity, it was just not that type of uh, familiarity with it in this marketplace. So there was a lot more education to our customer base that we had to go through. And we took that as, as a very interesting challenge. So we started now introducing scotch that might not have been sold in Fitchburg since, you know, 40 or 50 or 60 years when, when Fitchburg was really experiencing uh, its, its renaissance. And we went to cognac and started bringing in bottles of very, very expensive cognac. And had uh, we actually put a cognac on our menu that was $235 for two-ounce glass. And people said, you're insane. This is a surefire way for, for to have you head to bankruptcy. And I said, no, I really believe that with the proper education, the right education, and, and the right presentation, people will buy it. And this bottle of Louis the Thirteenth. 
uh, cognac has been something that we go through on a regular basis now. And people are just saying, we you know, don't understand how you're doing it. The demographics of your neighborhood and, and, and your area really don't support ever uh, that type of sale of alcohol. But uh, we, we, we have it on a menu. We've kept it on a menu for, for eight years, and we cycle through the bottles on a regular basis. Chris's commitment to providing new and quality experiences paid off. Just two years after opening Dastari, he opened Chibo, a cafe with specialty teas, craft beer, and food items. Chris attributes the success of each business to the unique menu offerings and decor. Our success has been the uniqueness of our menu. It has been something I've really tried to drive home the point that, you know, if you go up and down Main Street right now, uh, you know, a lot of businesses look to what is the easiest business to open and the most profitable profitable business to open, which tends to be pizza shops. From the beginning of Main Street to the next, I haven't actually been able to count how many there are, but there have been a lot of them. And a lot of them try and fail because they just don't have a unique um, concept behind their particular plan. And for me, it was just creating such a unique menu that people would come in just for our menu. And we would start advertising 30 different types of vodkas and 30 different types of scotches and 45 different types of cognacs. And downstairs at Chaiba, we have a very, very diverse selection of very outstanding craft beer, along with great teas and great coffees and cheeses. And people really... Um, found that to be the uniqueness of our menu was something that was very important to people. For a small example with Chibo was that instead of selling tea as most every place in this area would sell it, we spent a lot of time doing a lot of research and made the presentation of our tea with a loose leaf teapot and very uh, very uh, cute cups to, to, to make the presentation very interesting with tea timers and made it a very interesting experience. People just flooded us. And for the first two years of our business, tea was our highest volume product to an area where loose leaf tea, there hadn't been a loose leaf tea uh, shop in this area, none that I could ever remember. So it was just by taking a unique um, market and and we did the same thing with gelato. Everybody was very familiar with ice cream in this area. I started making some craft uh, gelato and I really had a great time with it. And we introduced the, the consumers to this area to the experience of enjoying gelato. And that was something so new to this area that, again, it was just a uniqueness of the menu that people were just telling their friends and family, you've got to try this. And I think that was, to a great degree, um, a reason for our success. And a lot, of, a lot of it also had to do, I think, with our decor. We tended to use design elements that were very unique to this space. Distari was actually a lot easier for us to distari, or to, to build Distari because it was just, you know, we found the best chandeliers we could find, the, the best of everything, the highest quality of all the um, products that we could find for. We had all of our furniture custom made. Uh, we threw a lot of money at 
creating and designing Distari. And then with Chibo, it was a little bit of a different, un unique situation. I wanted to use a lot of repurposed things. The, a lot of the mirrors and stained glass and, and lighting fixtures are all from um, Victorian homes around this city that I had renovated through the years and just accumulated these pieces, always thinking they'd have a destination. I'd have a spot for them that would be very unique and special. And Chibo came along. I went into my garage and, and looked at the, the storage the stuff we had in storage and said absolutely this piece of uh, of lighting fixture is going to work wonderfully in this corner this stained glass will work well up here so it was a little more of a creative process to to the design elements of chibo but it has a very special and unique feel because of that so we really took our emphasis on defining our uh, our menus to be very unique and selective and defining uh, defining our interiors to be something unlike you'd find anywhere in this area as well. Many small business owners share this commitment to personal and distinctive customer experiences. As larger corporations threaten to homogenize communities, small business owners like Chris know the importance of embracing diversity and offering consumers something special. We have a very unique opportunity to make Main Street a different flavor than vanilla. A lot of times I travel quite a bit. I crisscross the country often on motorcycle trips and I drive through so many communities and it's the same thing. You see a Starbucks and a Target and a McDonald's and then a Wendy's and it's like one town looks like another town. And it's, I come back to this area and I say, I look at the architecture that has just been standing here since the 1800s and these beautiful old buildings and it's say, yeah, we have an opportunity to have a different experience here. Uh, and if the consumers in our marketplace can understand and correlate the opportunity they have to help business owners create a very vibrant, unique downtown, then we've got a great opportunity in front of us. And that's been my last 10 years passion, and I'm hoping to, to make it the next 10 years as well. I want to see something different. And I think that eventually um, will be the downfall of a lot of the uh, chain restaurants and chain coffee shops is that people love familiarity, and that's what the, the, the uh, chain stores have going for them. You get a mocha latte in Starbucks in Manhattan and go out to San Francisco and get your mocha latte, it is going to be the same. And people like the familiarity with the, the taste profile of their product. For me, and I think a lot of other people, they want to walk in and see something visually different. They want to see a menu that's a little different. And uh, I think that that's something that, as a society, if we're not really cautious, um, we're going to lose that diversity. Some people could care less. Uh, I just happen to be in the selection of people, maybe a minority, I'm not sure that hope that that doesn't happen. I, I want that diversity. I want to drive into a small town and say, this is a great place because look at the, the, the unique establishments you're seeing all around you. That's just my own personal view. With such a clear goal in mind, I asked Chris what he sees as the biggest challenge to his business and what he does to overcome it. It is pure, very simply getting customers in our door. And that's where it's been so important for us to use tools like Constant Contact to be able to have a, a tool to um, collect names, get them on a mailing list, and then 
presents some very unique and special things to them. And, you know, to this day, we still spend more of our time on marketing than I would ever care to. Mm -hmm. But that's the plight of a small independent business owner. We're always having to reinvent ourselves. We're always having to get our message out. And we have good people helping us and great tools like Constant Contact to allow us to get the word out to consumers. And if there's something fun and unique and different going on, letting them, the, the customers that have always already said to us, we want to be on your mailing list, letting them know about it usually results in them coming in. Being able to follow up with customers means Chris's businesses can stay fresh in his customers' minds. He's also able to get the word out about food or drink specials or upcoming open mic nights to drive business in the slower months. The ability for us to keep that engagement going forward um, is, is just paramount for our success. I mean, it's, you know, uh, the, the presentation that I've made while they're in our shop, um, is, is they're going to forget that after, you know, I'm, I'm hoping a day, probably 15 minutes after they walk out the door, they forgot the interaction they've had with me. But the ability to follow that up with an email newsletter uh, just gets us right back and they may say hey, I, m I remember I you know because a lot of people it may have been their first step through the door and without that follow-up piece of activity that follow-up piece of communication it may have potentially be their their last you know we may have made an, a good impression on them but I tell my staff all the time a good impression doesn't cut it a super impression is the only way that we have a chance to get people back through the door and a super impression followed up with a with a nice email or or a, a newsletter that may be received at the right time on a continual basis just reinforces that that great experience they had and we hope that that works and we're pretty confident it has while chris understands the importance of marketing he doesn't see it as one of his biggest strengths i asked him how he makes time for marketing and how he provides value to his subscribers Delegation, yeah. I, from um, from my perspective, I do virtually none, <laughs> and um, when I do it, I'm usually hearing from my staff that I worded this wrong, or I, it's just something I've learned. Um, you know, at the beginning stages, I just gravitated towards my staff that had the the greatest flair for that particular piece, and just let them run with it. And I certainly monitor things very closely because it's it's my name and image that's. Uh, that's on the organization, uh, so I'm cautious about it. But once we've developed that level of comfort, um, from there, it's just let the, let the people who know what they're doing run with what they're doing, and it's, and it's not me. I think one of the biggest lessons t t that I've learned, again, is getting back to the willingness to delegate tasks to the right people. Uh, I, I think a lot of entrepreneurs fall into the to, to the trap of thinking in many instances it's accurate that they are the best person for every job they're the most passionate the most knowledgeable um, and and although that may be accurate in most every instance except for me in marketing um, there is a time when you just have to let the people that know best run with the ball and to build a team you you need to uh, to allow that flexibility Chris has learned to spend his time working on the parts of the business he's best at. He gives his employees more responsibility and the ability to contribute. This way they have a stronger level of commitment because they know their ideas are being heard. 
We employ between both companies between 25 and 30 people. Um, most all of them are part-time people that we, we employ a lot of students from Fitchburg State. Um, most of our staff has been with us for, for quite a while. There is quite a bit of turnover in, in this business, but we've been very fortunate to have people that feel uh, engaged with our business and, and as a result want to continue. They like the idea that their feedback is being listened to and uh, right after this particular meeting that we're having I'm sitting down with three of my staff members for menu item changes to say um, I've given them some homework to do to come up each of them with three new items that we should be rolling out to Chibo's menu and I said look you, you you're listening to our customers you're out back there cooking what is it that, that you think we need to have and that that level of engagement has with with the staff has been has been critical for for my for my side of things just to keep turnover low, but it's made them feel um, part of part of the organization. It's great as well that we've actually have a customer base. Um, a lot of our staffs are tipping as a is a, a big portion of their pay, and because of the unique product item line item we have. Uh, the staff have done very well, and it's great to see people put themselves through college or be able to support themselves in their own apartment just based on working what might be considered a minimum wage job. But in our instances, they're being very well paid, and uh, it's great seeing somebody be able to pay their own rent based on their pay from here. As Chris continues to learn from his employees and customers, he makes small improvements to make sure his businesses are offering unforgettable experiences to his loyal customer base. As a result, Chris hopes to inspire more businesses to join the community and restore Fitchburg to a commercial hub with a vibrant Main Street. Over these last five episodes, we've heard some recurring themes, a dedication to your community, an investment in your staff, and a commitment to getting the word out to your customers all play an integral role in your success. We've also learned that while these things might never be easy, they have the ability to make a lasting impact. As a last question, I asked Chris where he'd like to be in the next five years. I think you'll hear his passion for the local community isn't going anywhere. I hope that uh, we're still in the same spot, doing the same thing. I've, act, I've been asked very frequently to take our business models to different geographic areas, and uh, I just say no all the time. And when I try to explain people that it's a passion for my community that, I, that I'm living in and doing business in, that makes me want to be where I am, not a passion for, for more revenue. If, I, if somebody presented to me a community that could benefit from having a Chaibo or a Dastari in, in their neighborhood, I might be intrigued by that. Um, but if I'm going to be one more coffee shop or one more martini bar, that's boring to me. I'm, you know, I'm, for me to, to, to build something to take business away from somebody else, that's, that's, just, that's just not the way I go about things. We've been honored to hear the stories of small business owners who are making a difference in their community and overcoming challenges to find success and fulfill their dreams. We hope you've enjoyed these episodes as much as we have. We're about to go on a mid-season break, and we'll be back with five more episodes starting in August. 
If you've enjoyed listening, please take a minute out of your day to let us know what you think by leaving a review in iTunes, Stitcher, or by contacting us directly at podcast at constantcontact.com. Small Biz Stories is produced by myself, Dave Charest, Sean Cronin, and Miranda Paquette. Small Biz Stories is brought to you by Constant Contact. Constant Contact is committed to helping small businesses and nonprofits connect with new and existing customers with email marketing. Find out more at constantcontact.com.